You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for December 3rd, 2023, the first Sunday of Advent. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend John Kennedy. It's based on Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through 37. Good morning. Here we are again. The first day of Advent, as Father Peter mentioned in his introduction, it's of course the season that leads us to Christmas. The signs are all around us. We have the blue vestments and the altar frontals. Uh, this is my first day wearing blue vestments. Uh, the, the last churches I've served use purple, so I'm feeling cool in my Advent blue. Uh, besides that, we have our beloved Advent music. Hark a thrilling voice is sounding. Of course, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which we just heard. Father Peter is back. His long-promised Advent return has finally arrived, and we are rejoicing for that. And of course, in the wider community and world around us, Christmas lights and decorations have gone up at what seems like breakneck speed to me. Uh, I grew up in New Canaan, but I've been away for a few years, and I don't recall ever seeing the decorations go up like they have this time. Maybe it's because there's a longer break between uh, Advent, uh, or, or Thanksgiving rather, and the start of Advent this year, but it just seemed like everything went up the night of Thanksgiving, uh, which was amazing to me. Um, So we all know that Christmas is on the way. In fact, it's really only three weeks away. We have a short Advent season this year. Another sign that we have arrived at Advent are the apocalyptic gospel readings, like the one we just heard that we get every year on this day, on the first Sunday of Advent. Every year in our three-year cycle of readings, we get Uh, uh, something from Jesus's eschatological discourse or apocalyptic discourse as it's uh, often called uh, last year in Matthew next year in uh, Luke this year in Mark Uh, in these texts Jesus is speaking in rather dramatic terms about what can sound like the end of the world or at least the end of the world as we know it as that song goes I'm sure many of you know In today's passage from Mark, Jesus talks about the coming of the Son of Man in clouds, gathering his elect from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven, of heaven and earth passing away, of a day of judgment or reckoning that will come suddenly, the day or hour of which no one knows. This really strikes the dissonant note against the merry and bright sentiments of our uh, secular holiday season, doesn't it? Is Jesus really talking about the end of the world here? This passage is commonly interpreted in that way, but there's, I believe, a compelling case to be made that that's actually not what Jesus is talking about here. Because today's gospel is taken from Mark chapter 13. And at the beginning of this chapter, one of Jesus' disciples is marveling to him about the temple in Jerusalem. He says, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. This temple known as Herod's temple or the second temple had the reputation of being the most beautiful building in the world. It was the largest and most imposing structure you would find anywhere within hundreds of miles. So what does Jesus say when his disciple marvels to him about this temple? 
He says, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple, which would happen a few decades later, in the year 70, when the Roman Emperor Vespasian ordered the destruction of Jerusalem and the execution of thousands of Jews. A little later, Jesus is asked by Peter, James, John, and Andrew, the, the inner circle of Jesus' disciples. Andrew is commonly left out when the inner circle is named. It's usually Peter, James, and John, but Andrew gets a shout-out here, which is nice. Uh, he's a great golfer, after all, so um, he deserves his due. So they all say, tell us, when will this be, and what will be the sign that all these things are about to take place? So the rest of the chapter, including today's passage, is Jesus' answer to this question about the temple. Jesus uses prophetic and apocalyptic language to describe this truly cataclysmic event. Uh, He draws from the prophet Isaiah, who centuries earlier used basically the same language to describe the fall of Babylon. Language of the sun being darkened, of the moon not giving its light, of the stars falling from heaven. So this is not a a literal description of the end of the world, because Isaiah used it to describe things that happened hundreds of years earlier. And I think Jesus is using it in a similarly metaphorical manner here. It's a poetic description of not the end of the world literally, but of the end of the world as first century Jews who Jesus was talking to would have known it. It is a description of the end of one age and the beginning of another when the gospel or the good news would be proclaimed throughout the world and gather people together from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven, as as Jesus describes here. And as he says, This generation, the generation who he was talking to, will not pass away until all these things have taken place. So it seems like Jesus is speaking about things that would happen in the lifetimes of his listeners. However, the the belief in the second coming of Christ is found elsewhere in the New Testament, such as in today's reading from 1 Corinthians, when St. Paul speaks of the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ and waiting for the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this idea or this hope is is at the heart of the season of Advent. Today's collect or opening prayer, which we heard just a few minutes ago, says, Christ shall come again in glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead. And the Advent preface to our Eucharistic prayer, which we'll hear a little bit later, says that Christ shall come again in power and great triumph to judge the world. I think we we get the point. Now the word judgment, the idea of judgment, especially divine judgment, I think can can be tough for us to hear and, and make sense of and want to get on board with these days. So I found something very helpful on this idea from Fleming Rutledge, who's a, a Episcopal priest and one of the great preachers in the Episcopal Church of the last 100 years at least, um, who actually lives around here. I had a Fleming Rutledge sighting recently. I was very excited. Um, in her book on Advent, which is really just a tr- tremendous work on the season, she says that references to judgment in the Bible are best understood 
in the context of God's righteousness. Not just his being righteous, but his making right all that has been wrong. In other words, judgment is not really about condemnation. Judgment is about healing and restoration. So Advent is not just a time to prepare for Christmas. It is also a time to look to the future, to when Christ will come again to restore our lives and restore our world in a way that goes far beyond anything we can imagine. As Christians, we we live in what Fleming Rutledge describes so well as the time between. The time between the first coming of Christ 2,000 years ago in a stable in Bethlehem and the second coming to bring the kingdom of God in its fullness. We live in the tension between these times, between the already and the not yet. Our lives are lived in that tension. The entire church's life is lived in this tension. And for this reason, it can be said that we live in Advent all the time. We are people oriented towards towards that which is yet to come. So while the commercial Christmas industrial complex bids us to be mindlessly merry and bright, and to participate in in yet another holiday season of of largely senseless shopping, Advent reminds us of and, and calls us to have the courage to remember the brokenness, the suffering, the incompleteness, the injustice, the disappointment that define life for, for far too many of us, and that visit all of us from time to time at the very least. And Advent reminds us of and calls us to have the faith to keep watch for the promise of a new day, of a new time. A day when, in the words of the prophet Isaiah, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, and nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. The day when all people will walk in the light of God. I feel like these words have a particular resonance this year. They've given expression to what is a a hope common to people of all walks of life, all religions, all cultures, for a very long time. In fact, these very words are inscribed on a wall opposite the UN headquarters in New York City. But of course we're not there yet. It seems we have some time and some ways to go. So meanwhile, in this time between... Advent bids us to practice the art of waiting, of watching, of keeping vigil, of keeping awake, as Jesus says in today's Gospel. The lighted candle, the symbol of vigil-keeping, is of course also an Advent symbol, a symbol of hope and of expectant waiting. So perhaps we might ask ourselves what we might find ourselves waiting for this Advent season, in this season of waiting. Perhaps we might find ourselves waiting 
for our hearts or the hearts of others to open a little wider. Perhaps we might find ourselves waiting to be better able to give love and to receive love. Perhaps we might find ourselves waiting for healing for ourselves or for others, for the healing of heart, mind, and body. Perhaps we might find ourselves waiting for justice, for peace, for freedom from the many things that hold us and so many other people back. Perhaps we might find ourselves waiting for our faith to grow stronger, for our devotion to grow deeper. All of these good and holy desires, the things that our souls wait for at the deepest level and long for, have their fulfillment in that future day when Christ will come again to restore and renew all things. And that future is breaking into the present. The kingdom of God is here, even as we await it in its fullness. And this is why St. Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans that now is the time to wake from sleep. Now is the time. So the message of Advent is to keep watch, to stay awake, to look for signs of God's inbreaking into your life and into our world now. Now these signs as they play out in our immediate experience, they tend to be small, but no less significant for that. It could be a sign such as a family gathering, perhaps around the holidays, without conflict or minimal conflict. <laughs> could be finding that you had the capacity to be as kind and open and present to somebody as you intended to be, which is an amazing gift. Or finding that somebody else was much kinder and gentler to you than you expected or maybe felt you deserved. From time to time, of course, we're given signs on a much larger scale, such as the witness and victories of the civil rights movement some decades ago. The signs are all around us, but we're not trained to look for them or recognize them or believe them. And so Advent calls us to be on the lookout for these signs of God's inbreaking into our world, and to identify them, claim them, remember them, and share them, share the good news when we see it. Because even as we are to wait for that which is yet to come, we are also to bear witness to it. Waiting is, if you will, the passive posture of Advent and, and of our lives. Bearing witness is the active part. Even as we need not, and indeed cannot, bring the kingdom of God in its fullness ourselves, we can participate in its coming. So while the commercial culture calls us to participate in shopping, Advent calls us to participate in something much different. Advent calls us to participate in the way of Jesus, the way of, of cross-shaped, self-giving, self-sacrificial love. Because every act of kindness and generosity, every expression of patience, warmth, and compassion, 
every time we manage to refrain from saying something hurtful or negative, every time we make the time to pray, even though we feel far too busy or tired, every time we act on behalf of those on the margins or speak on behalf of those who aren't given a seat at the table, we are putting on what is so beautifully described in our opening prayer this morning, the armor of light. We're putting on the armor of light. There's an old Cat Stevens song. Well, I guess all, all Cat Stevens songs are old at this point. <laughs> Although he still has a great voice. Um, it's called Changes 4, and it makes me think of Advent, and Advent makes me think of this song. And uh, some of the words are, are, are these. Don't you feel a change coming from the other side of time? Breaking down the walls of silence, lifting shadows from your mind, placing back the missing mirrors that before you couldn't find, filling mysteries of emptiness that yesterday left behind. And we all know it's better, and yesterday has passed. Now let's all start living for the one that's going to last. We all know it's better, and yesterday has passed, Let's all start living for the one that's going to last. So what are we waiting for? Let us start living or keep living for that day that Cat Stevens is talking about, that Jesus is talking about, and that our whole liturgy is talking about, that's going to last. Let our lives be a longing for the coming of Christ, both now and still to come. And may we bear witness to that for which we wait. Amen. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanon.org.